You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Mount Most of our football podcast, MWR.com mwire.com is the website say it twice so you can hear it clearly and go uh check out all of our great stuff and uh joined by matt as always jeremy here matt uh this weekend the mountain west was kind of similar across all college football it's like what the hell's going on you're saying what Mm -hmm. you're losing to who you're beating who yikes yeah i learned the existence of that twitter account called uh i forget the exact handle but it was basically asking the question is this blood week did you see that at all (laughs) I did not. I need to find that. No, I'm not familiar. Yeah, it wasn't until like late in the day that they actually made a ruling that it was in fact blood week. So, you know, to your to your question, it, yeah, it definitely did not take long for things to sort of descend into chaos in week two. Oh, so they have like two tweets total. It's it really is. Is this blood week? And that's your Twitter accounts. But then they link in their Twitter bio to shut down full cast. <laughs> two yeah. tweets, five followers. Or five fault, they're falling five people. So uh this was kinda I felt coming into week, like not just within the Mountain West, I did a little bit, but overall I'm like some guy at work is like, Oh, are these games good. I'm like, look, watch out for like App State, Texas AM. That might be a little feisty. Houston, Texas Tech, that could be some interesting type of games. We had a lot more than that going on in the conference and nationally with Texas doing somehow almost winning and all these other games going on, Sunbelt doing pretty good. But within our conference, uh yeah, there's some stuff going on. Let's let's just get going, Matt. Should we just go Friday night to a Boise State win over New Mexico, 31-14, which was the starting quarterback was Hank Bachmeyer, who we kind of both felt that would be the guy. Not that he deserved to be it based on what he played, but he got to start, played okay. And I'm being generous. It might be too generous by saying he's played okay because he wasn't impressive at all. No, I mean he was he was fine. Like he didn't. Yeah, I mean, okay. other than other than the inter, excuse me, other than the interception, he didn't really have any, uh, you know, huge mistakes. And even that interception came in the fourth quarter when the, the you know the the game was already mostly in hand, even if it wasn't like totally in hand. Yeah, 
but it wasn't like it was necessarily a sterling offensive performance either. You know, he finished the day, what, 16 of 27, 170 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. But really, like, it it came down to connecting on a handful of big plays. You know, they had four big plays that totaled 126 yards. So you're talking about getting, you know, roughly three quarters of your passing yards on, you know, on one quarter of your completions. And so, you know, that was more than enough to, to be able to sort of hold off New Mexico. But I think I wouldn't go you know, anointing them potential conference champions or anything like that. You know, they, they started one and zero, but there's still definitely plenty of work to do. Well, yeah, they were able to win because defense played well. They had especially mm-hmm. teams with the block punt to lead to lead to some points there in that what third quarter, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, their, spe- their special team or yeah, the defense only te- was technically allowed seven points because Minnesota or not Minnesota. Why am I going to Minnesota? That's weird. New Mexico had a hundred yard kickoff return. So like Chris mm-hmm. Washington. So it's like, Defense played fine. Their defense is kind of turned around compared to last week where they're shredded early on. They made Miles Kendrick look really bad in his second start against their actual team and not play in uh, Maine. The writing game looked bad as well for New Mexico because Boise's defense has showed up. But they're it's a win where if you're a good enough team, which they are, they don't have they didn't have to win because or they're winning the way they won they didn't have to become due to Hank Bachmeyer. Even George Lani, who was a very pedestrian, twenty for sixty-seven on the ground, and seemingly is uh, not playing as well as Ashton Jenny, Jenny, who played quite well with uh, his seventy-two yards and six yards per carry. They they played. They're a good enough team where they can struggle offensively. And I say they struggled offensively. It wasn't a good performance, but other ways on the field, well, defense, special teams, helped them uh, boost the score. No, I mean by seventeen. It was almost exactly the kind of defensive performance that we've seen out of them for most of the last two seasons now. You know, they only averaged five yards play. You know, they only had 318 yards total offense. That is not a lot. 450 on the downs. Yeah, good. that's ex- But to to their credit, they were four of four on red zone opportunities as well. You know, they turned, you know, that into 24 total points. You know, and I think I, I'm assuming, you know, if you're looking at stat broadcast, that includes the the, the blocked punt because, Really, like when you look at their drive chart, they only needed to move the ball down the field twice in the entire game. You know, they had a a 91-yard drive for the first score, and they had an 86-yard drive in in the third quarter going into the fourth quarter for their for their second touchdown. But other than that, that was it. You know, they they didn't necessarily have like a huge field position advantage or anything like that. And you know if if you look at the numbers that were put forth in, in Parker Fleming at Stats of War, like he has his website where he puts together his uh, simple box scores. And if you're if you're interested in seeing it for yourself, you can look at it. It is cfb-graphs.com. It, but, you know, if you look at it in terms of expected points added, which, again, is just a matter of, of sort of how successful your plays are relative to where you are in the field, in, in both passing and rushing, they were below zero. You know, if you're looking at it as a shorthand, and I think what, what really made the game for the Broncos in this case wasn't the offense. You know, I think it's it's easy to get wrapped up in that conversation. But it was also like maybe the best defensive performance we've seen out of this team in quite a while too. 
because yeah, those 12, you know, 12 for, CFLs were the first time since like the most uh, 2017 seeding the state. So it's been a while since they've had that dominant report performance. Yeah. And, and it was, I think it was especially important, you know, six sacks as well, which was a, a major step in the right direction for what we saw last week against Oregon state. And I think it was especially useful because I got the sense that all game long, New Mexico thought they saw something in 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 the Boise State secondary. And and we should mention too that they did this without JL Skinner. JL Skinner didn't even play in this game. Correct. But what Boise State was able to do is they were able to really frustrate what New Mexico wanted to do. They wanted to throw the ball down the field. And while they didn't necessarily force any turnovers, you know, other than the blocked punt, what they did was they frustrated Miles Kendrick for 60 minutes. You know, he was only nine of 28, only 98 yards, one touchdown. You know, they had, you know, basically one big play, the 69 yard pass to Jordan Porter um, in, in the fourth quarter. And that was more or less it for, for the entirety of their offense for the game. You know, a couple of like shorter runs, but then you, you at game's end, you look at it, they, you know, the Lobos have 123 yards of total offense. Um, mm-hmm. you know, only 2.2 yards per play. That basically tells you everything you need to know about this game. And he tried to throw because Kendrick threw it 28 times. Uh, yeah. I, I would say this, okay, it's a good win for Boyce. It's it's a win. I don't say, I, defensively a good win. But had they it played a, a team, that, yeah. Yeah, defensively. Well, I'll say, no, I'll, I'll qualify it. Say defensively, it was a good win. Offensively, okay. there's, a, there's a lot to be desired against the New Mexico team, which I get with Gonzalez and Rocky Long, what they're doing. The offense, we'll get to a second, but had the Broncos played a team with a decent offense, I don't know if they would have won this game. They needed a – here's the a special – I know New Mexico had special teams touchdown, but Broncos needed a special teams touchdown or got one. That's not always guaranteed. They're kind of fluky. Like maybe, what, one and a half of those a year any team gets, if that, maybe one touchdown. Mm-hmm. Out the, like special teams touchdowns are rare. That's only a 10-point game. They play a team that's decent moving the ball – they don't get 12 TFLs. They don't get six sacks. So I'm not going to give them a ton of praise overall when they do win by 17, but their offense, like I know they're down there. Was it the starting and backup right guards were gone in this game? The running game is mm-hmm. still not very good overall. Bachmeyer looked pedestrian at best. Only 16, 27 is not very good. Just over six yards per completion. It's the offense is, is it's fine. They won. They beat this team. They should beat New Mexico. They should be able to be if they play UNLV or CSU or some other team, probably even Utah State. The way we'll get to them later, but they could win and not look their best. And yeah, and in, in to your point, I think it is worth reiterating that as a team last year, total offense wise, Boise State was, I believe they were ninth in the Mountain West in yards per play, 5.26. So to put that in context, what the Broncos did yesterday against New Mexico was actually slightly worse than they managed on a per game average last year. Yeah. That's a, that's an issue. They're negative. I'm looking at the simple box for negative and EPA per pass, EPA per rush negative. Mm-hmm. They, explosive, not great there. Like there there's issues going on in Boise state. And again, the running game will we'll move on in a moment here, but George Lonnie needed 20 carries to get only 67 yards. Ashawn Gently looked fine, looked pretty good actually, six yards per carry. Nothing explosive from Helani. Maybe he's just not a good player and had a really good freshman year, and that's it. There's so much too much hype surrounding him to get better and better. But 
Billy Bowens is okay. They, they did have a couple of deep, those longer passes, like Bowens and Cole Wright has some deep throws, like overall, even Jenny had something in the backfield at 20 yarder. Like they made mm-hmm. some okay plays down the field. They weren't all super short, but overall, this offensive performance could be a, a couple, some teams that aren't very good. And New Mexico's still not quite there. Yeah, like, well, and I think we're we're sort of ignoring the fact too that the Lobos, by and large, made them work for it too. That's what I mean. That's getting yeah, like, together. Like defense. The, the numbers, oh. the numbers don't necessarily jump off the stat sheet. You know, they only had what two two sacks on the day, five TFLs. But so let the Jerry Reed, on, like, man. <laughs> yeah, Jerry Reed, two tackles for loss. It's, he seemed to be everywhere. You know, and twelve total on. tackles. Tavian Combs, eleven tackles. You know, Dante Martin with three pass breakups. Like. Mm-hmm. He, he, the, the secondary did its job. I would say that even the you know the front six that three three five also did their job. It was just that they didn't get you know it was it was sort of like a, a less extreme version of the story that really defined last year. You know the defense held up its end of the bargain. The offense just did not have enough answers to keep up. They're getting there, and people say if you just look at the box score, oh, seventeen points, but they they yeah, made and, they, and other they than, made it more other than. It. Other than the blocked punt, like, you know, Aaron Rodriguez had an excellent game. You know, he, he had 10 punts, averaged over 50 yards a punt, and, and, and seven of his 10 punts went for more than 50 yards. Uh, and they also got the 100-yard kicker for, from Christian Washington as well. And so I think, mm-hmm. you know, even if that's something that you can't necessarily count on every single week, I think it may help them in the long run to know that they have that in their back pocket if they if they need it at some point. Like they're not going to get beat handily in field position terms every single week. And I think in the long run, as the offense comes around, as they face maybe you know more flexible defenses, that New Mexico, I, I still maintain that they could surprise some people this season. They might, and then Washington, his other kicker turn was over 30 yards. Uh, Luke Weston yeah. had 20 yard kicker. So they average, I know that 51 yards is a big average. We include the 100 yards, but to take the other two, the 53 yards, that's fine. You're starting at the 25 yard line. That's for on just those three possessions, I should say, those three times mm-hmm. they got the ball. So that's, it's, I mean, it's something. So we'll see. I think there's a chance, but don't, Boise's not the woods yet to see if they're going to be this, whatever they used to be. There's still a team where there's a lot to work with. The offensive line still having, stability issues in a running game clearly not standing out and Bachmeyer here's the problem too like I, I bet you too it's still gonna be the same thing Bachmeyer comes in plays they get the win he plays whatever he three touchdowns is really good the other stuff's running not not good they get UTEP and UT Martin next two weeks or flip those Martin then UTEP he's gonna keep starting and he'll be the guy they probably will be three and one going to San Diego State which we'll talk later what they're doing but there could be some just watch out for that false confidence where they're three and one but Bachmeyer might be twenty, like again, twenty of twenty-eight for like maybe two hundred yards and a couple touchdowns, which is fine, but not what a fifth-year starter should be on this program mm-hmm. that typically sends guys, maybe not an NFL quarterback, but puts up big numbers. So we'll see. What's our next game? Is it the? Uh, oh, my chronological order is incorrect. Where do you want to go next year for Saturday? For the rest of these games. That would be uh, Air Force forty-one, Colorado ten. That's okay. That's what I thought. This game, Air Force, clearly. Miles ahead. Somebody will clip this for later. The number one team at the moment, 41-10 over the Buffs. They didn't play cleanly overall, but they still beat the crap out of a very, very, very bad Colorado team, which is probably the worst in the Pac-12, worse than Cal, and one of the worst Power 5 teams and probably a bottom quarter team overall. Are they are they even a top 100 team, the Buffs? No. I don't know, man. 
No, okay. Just saying. So my rival, my youths, my youths play the Buffs for that huge rivalry game they try to call. They try to call it that. They'll have a similar Southern Utah, Utah 70 point difference. I'm looking forward to that, Matt. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the, the, the Buffaloes just did not have anything going at all. And to your point, they're, they're 110th in the latest SP Plus rankings. Just sort of put that in context. JT Shroud five, is, is doing a best Andrew Peasley week one performance, week zero, five of 21, 51 yards. Yeah, I mean, other than a couple of nice runs on the ground from, you know, and that was really in that sort of mid-game role Falcons had. Yeah, second quarter, yeah. yeah. They had a couple of nice runs in the second quarter in particular. You know, Alex Fontenot, Deion Smith. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was more or less their offense, you know, 69 yards on three different runs, but, you know, only 162 yards for offense. Mm-hmm. Um, not great. And, and oh, by the way, they also had, what, three turnovers as well? Uh, they had they lost two fumbles and I believe an interception. And interception, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Air Force defense. Well, that was our concern coming in. Like, what's their defense going to be by losing guys? But they held the bus to one of eleven, third down, oh two, fourth down, under two two point four yards per pass attempt per mm-hmm. pass. Penalties weren't an issue. Their turnovers were a problem because they lost three for Air Force. That's an issue. If they played good team, they lost three fumbles. They got a little sloppy there in the middle of the game. It was a little, it was raining there a little bit, so that could be a little tricky with yeah. the option offense where he tossing and pitching the ball. So I'm not overly concerned because that could cost them a better team. But I don't, I mean, I don't think the did the Buffs even score off those turnovers. I don't recall. I'm not going to look, but it was just an overall. Besides the nitpicking, the fumbles when it's raining and wet. Brad Roberts had a huge game. Like he might be offensive player of the week with that 174 yards and three touchdowns. Passing, you'd like to be a bit better, but they don't need to pass. It's like a. It's always like the bonus of Air Force passes for like because he gained he went one for five for eight yards, whatever. But if he did what he did last week where he had those that big was an eighty yarder and a couple told and then but but hundred it's like if he goes three of six for hundred ten yards, that's like a bonus or cherry on the top. So him going one or five, who cares? Um him not running great, a little concerning, but again, they don't need it when you have guys like Roberts and these other guys, like they have multiple guys that broke off big plays, three three plays over forty yards on the ground. Like Ben Jefferson's one running play. 48-yard scramble or run, whatever you want to call it. Scamper, scramble, race off, uh, putting the buff, giving the stiff arms to buffs. I don't know. What do you want to call it? A big play. That's yeah, I mean, place. they were they were happy to take advantage of their depth, and they were starting to do it in more interesting ways, too. Mm-hmm. Like, did you notice that they, you know, they were lining up Zach Larrier in the backfield yeah, a couple times? Yeah, he had six carries for 60 yards. Like, yeah, why I mean, not? You're winning, a, you're winning that's big. That's a conference. That's a, that, that, that's a conference champion track star right there, putting his good speed to use. And a quarterback that'll take over for his Eganos possibly soon enough. Yeah, and I think you know, if he can clean up the fumbles, you know, John Lee Elders the third also had a very good game, eight carries, eighty-eight yards in, in in the one touchdown. You know, he might be another one of those guys that, you know, maybe he's the compliment that they were missing at, at tailback last year. Because yeah, you know, he, he definitely in this game got more carries than DeAndre Hughes, got more carries than Emmanuel Michael and, and guys like that. You know, he might be the one to provide that sort of compliment to the fullback dive that, you know, at least through two games, it looks like it is still working to to great effect. But you want to have that extra wrinkle that you can offer. And he he looks like a difference maker. Also, one thing too, defensively, they had six pass breakups. I know they yeah. tried to throw they're down a lot, so buffs are trying to throow to very little success. They had more pass breakups than the completion, so there's that for compared to Colorado. Also, how is this team not ranked? I know they beat Northern Iowa 
They beat the crap out of Colorado. Why? Why is like teams like uh, or how's Oregon still ranked? Tell me that. How is like Pittsburgh ranked? Like, come on. Good question. How is well? There's only two real teams I could question to being ranked at the moment. But it's like Florida State's getting more points to them. Cincinnati, App State definitely should be ranked, and I'm fine them being ahead. But like Air Force should be in the top 25. They scored. I put in that in some one of our articles. I think I did like the bowl projection, or whatever. Already, they've only given up. They scored 80, 88 points. They've given up what 17 on the year. They've barely given up any points this season. So it's like they mm-hmm. their defense is a. Biggest surprise for them for me, the defense is their biggest surprise of this year by playing. I don't care the, the play, they, it's like we say that when they beat these good teams or bad teams, whoever it is, or excuse me, if you're a good team, you should be beating, beating these bad teams. Like, who cares if it's FCS team or not? Excuse me, 27 total points this year, 17 and 10 two weeks. They should be, they need to be top 25. They got Wyoming on Friday night, they're already like a 17 point favorite or something on the road against the uh, the Cowboys. It's really all right there for them, isn't it? Yeah, they go to Wyoming. They host Nevada. Who, who, boy, Nate, they're by head and shoulders is going to win the CIC. There's no reason they shouldn't be winning the beating Navy. Utah State looked really bad, obviously at UNLV. Maybe they host Boise State down the road. Like these teams, nobody on their schedule scares me. That the rest of the way, like their toughest game might not be till at San Diego State, and that's the season finale. Mm-hmm. Not trying to look too far ahead, but I'm just saying the only issue with them going forward is that they're. Um, they do get a bye week late, which is nice, which helps them. But that's only concerned like they kind of wear down due to their size, stuff like that. But I'm not projecting or predicting anything now, but I'm just saying they're they're looking great and there's nothing very too difficult for the next maybe month possible end schedule. Over yeah, I mean, through two games, say. through two games, they've definitely done about as much as you could ask of them, given the level of competition that they face so far. Yeah. Even if you don't think they're the best team, which is at the moment I'd hard, hard to argue that they're not, they've been playing the best. Well, let's put it this way. I was I was watching like four or five games in the middle of the afternoon at the same time yesterday. That's tough sometimes. And you know, I would say through two weeks, no team in the conference has consistently looked like the best team in the conference as frequently as Air Force has so far. Like even looking, even if you go bigger, like over the whole country, like no, not many teams have been. Like even Ohio State, they struggled against Notre Dame, who doesn't seem to be all that great. There's not many teams outside of maybe Michigan. Like, just because we've seen them play CSU in Hawaii and whatnot. Like, there's very few teams that look as dominant in the first couple weeks as Air Force in the whole country, not just in the Mountain mm-hmm. West. Like, maybe USC up there. I know they they let Stanford allowed 28 points in that game they gave up. But overall, like, there's not many teams that are playing as well as Air Force in the whole FBS, not just within the Mountain West. So I'd go beyond that, too. So they're, that's why they should be ranked. I'm like, it's ridiculous not ranked. But uh, let's move on. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. 
Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I guess I kind of moved us next game, Michigan and Hawaii. Is that where we're going? 56-10? The, uh, so we're jumping ahead? Well, my, I don't know why my, my ESPN still is different ways. What's the next game then? Is it uh, – I know a bunch started like within half an hour of each other. Where do you yeah, I mean, I, I, can, I could sort of lay out the order because the next game, which actually you know, is one of three games that start at the same time, we'll just start with this one. Uh, Cal 20, oh. UNLV 14. Rebels, Rebels, Rebels. This game, okay, right Cal's not a, it was there. Cal's not a great team, but they're still a team where they're a Power 5 team and they're in Pac-12. And UNLV, like, they probably feel like that'd be more accurate. It was there. They only lost by six points. The pass defense wasn't ideal because Jack Plummer had a pretty solid game overall, considering what he did against Rebels defense. But they were, yeah, they were right there down 2014, fourth quarter, no points, clearly. And that was a problem where they had the turnover and downs. They were able to force the field goal. I like how they were being aggressive throughout the game. Like how many times they went for it? Like fourth and seven on the Cal 39. Like it's opposite. Oh, who did it on Saturday? There's some team that was, wait, sorry. Was, it might be a Fresno State team. So I'll leave that to the side here. Sorry. But there <laughs> multiple times, like the go for it on fourth down, which is, I love it. Like the fourth and goal where clearly they want to score late in the game. I do like the aggressiveness and have they maybe made one of those? That could have been it's only a six point game, man. They they didn't allow Cal to do much that second half. It's mostly that first quarter they got off those fourteen points where it was what three and out, four and out for the Rebels. And it was kind of too late. The interception the first was that first quarter INT, I believe. Second quarter INT. Like they had not if not for a sloppy start of the game, they could have had this. Yeah, I mean, they needed to be aggressive because they were not good on third downs in this game. Nope. And they did not necessarily put themselves in the best situations at any point in the game on those sort of money times. downs. They were only one of 12. Mm-hmm. And their their average, you know, down to or their average distance to go was nearly nine yards. And the penalties. So, so, <laughs> so you like the process. You know, you, you you don't like the results of that process, but you know Correct. you like the aggressiveness, which is I think a, a an encouraging sign from what often held them back last year. The offense just didn't have enough to get it done. You know, they had a couple of nice plays on the ground from from Aiden Robbins, but overall, like you know, Brumfeld maybe underperformed a little bit. Oh yeah, eighteen to thirty three. That's barely fifty percent. The two hundred yards is fine. Like he spread it out to a handful of guys. Uh, a couple deeper throws, like they had what four plays over nineteen plus yards. Mm-hmm. But he was inaccurate throughout the night, and that's a problem. Like, had he gone twenty five or thirty three, obviously probably gets the three hundred yards. They'd probably convert one or two of those third or fourth downs, and that's the difference in the game potentially. And there's other things about it, but the defense held up. But had he completed maybe a couple more passes, this game could have gone a wildly different way, and they'd have a victory over Pac twelve team and send it to a no. But I think what you can be encouraged by is that the, you know, the defense took some early lumps, especially in that you know first half where they were outgained by you know, roughly a two and a half to one margin. 
um, and and didn't look. I mean, they, they were down ten. They you know they were lucky, I think, to be down only ten by halftime. Oh yeah. But then they buckled down. You know, they held Cal just three points after halftime, and I think most importantly, held the Golden Bears to basically you know three yards per play, three point four overall. That is not something that I necessarily expected. I think, you know, my biggest concern, especially after it came out, you know, before week zero that, you know, without, we already knew they were going to be without Jacoby Winman, without Brennan Scott. Okay. How are they going to generate a pass rush? That was like a huge, concern. they generated a pass rush in this game, you know, four sacks, eight TFLs, you know, the front seven was excellent. I think after, you know, getting pushed a little bit early. And I would I would have to imagine like if the offense can rebound a little bit from from this sort of letdown performance, you know what we saw out of that side of the ball in week zero, and what we saw out of the defense in this game. If they find a way to put all that together, that's a pretty good team that could beat a lot of other teams in the Mountain West. Oh yeah, I think the potential because they drove that final. Like, here's what's most impressive besides the defense coming up with guys who were like replacing guys who were hurt or just transferred. That last drive, like they're down twenty to fourteen, the final, I believe, is their final time fourth, fourth down inside the ten yard line. Mm-hmm. They just, they're not experienced enough to complete. They're not a team that knows how to close something out or get. Because if you don't win very often, and Brumfield only played a little bit last year because of the injury, when you're a team that doesn't know how to win, you get in situations where you might be a little tense, you might be a little nervous, or just kind of you're not used to that situation. Like, hey, if we get this, we can win the game tie extra point win all that stuff so that's a part of it too it takes time to learn to know how to win and be successful when you've always been a team that's unfortunately for the rebels history not a winning program and so once you kind well, of figure I those think, things out that's part of, a little psychological i'd say i mean in addition to that though they also hurt themselves a lot with big penalties too yeah eight, four, yeah, overall, eight, overall. eight overall for 105 that includes one two three four different pass interference penalties and three different personal battles. No good. You know, th- those are the kinds of mistakes too. Like even if they didn't always, you know, end up turning into Cal touchdowns or Cal field goals or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I would say, you know, good teams don't make that many mistakes. And and this isn't the first time that we'll talk about that in, in this particular podcast. Yep. But again, they were, they were close. And, I think, and this is better. You know, this at, is another at, at one score point, game. I mean, at some point, the excuses are going to run out. Next but week, I think I think they're right there. And, and that game against North Texas last week or yeah. next week, rather, it Small is going to be a very already. interesting litmus test of where this team is actually at after a month of the season. Because they're sitting, I looked at the early line, like I think two and a half for Rebels favored. Yes, basically so, even. Yeah, just about even. That game is uh, they're hosting them, so they're like a field goal home favorite. So yeah. All right, next game. What you you go to order here because my order apparently is not. The proper order. What do we got next? Where are we going? All right. Do you want to do? Do we want to discuss uh, Wyoming thirty-three, Northern Colorado ten, real quick? I'd rather do that than Middle Tennessee State CSU. So yeah, let's go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, sort, of, so an, sort not... of an interesting game for Wyoming, right? A little bit, yeah. Like they, they did fine. Like their defense stepped up. Clearly, they, the I'd say Buffalo the Bears only had to play three quarterbacks, and neither could do anything special. They got a couple picks. Uh, ground game, Titus Swan did fine. It's a, this is a game where when you think about what one we see, what we've seen through two weeks, it was clearly the first game versus Illinois was an aberration at the moment. Maybe Illinois is really good. We're still waiting to see on that. 
But I'm glad there wasn't like a diversion to go back toward that when you're playing a team that's not as good as you. Because the Tulsa game took a lot out of him going to double overtime. And while I would have liked Peasley to play a bit better, he did because he went 20 to 30 last week. He was 19 to 30, basically the same, which is what they want to do. That's, it's, hey, that's, hey, Matt, they cracked a 55% mark again. So that's kind of amazing what they've done the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. But overall, the offense kind of, they're never, it's hard. We're never going to see the Wyoming offense like, oh, they're super impressive. They do this, do great. There'll be good spots like Wyatt Wyland had average 10 yards per catch. So there's stuff like that where, Dallas Burks were the great, but they did what they, did what they need to do. The offense is never going to look overly impressive with Craig Bull, but it wasn't bad either. Like no, I believe no turnovers in the game. They they recovered their, they lost the ball, but they recovered all the fumbles. So that's a concern, or excuse me, not a concern by not by being clean game. But the defense got the two picks. I think they're at least what plus two turnover margin, plus three. I think it was. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, fumbles lost. Yeah, it was a. It was. It's what they. This is what they need to do for a team that's wants to rebound after the opening loss to two in a row. The bowl possibilities are getting right there with the way certain teams look within the conference. But it was a this is what I kind of expected the outcome to be where I didn't think they'd blow them out. But winning by three touchdowns is a it's a good sign of them kind of figuring things out from the first week. So I think if I were a Cowboys fan, one thing that I wouldn't necessarily be happy about is the fact that you could make a case they wasted most of their major field position advantage in this game. Mm-hmm. Because on, on average, they started you know, with a 20-yard advantage over Northern Colorado. You know, The Bears were starting at their own 26 on average. Uh, Wyoming was starting at its own 46 on average. And that includes one, two, three, four, five, five drives on the UNC side of the field. And it wasn't until fourth quarter when they started at the 22 in the three-yard line after a turnover and downs and after that second interception that they were able to turn that into touchdowns. And I think that that's something that's that bears watching because, you know, they, they moved the ball here and there in the first half, especially, but they weren't able to finish drives as emphatically as they did when they were basically set up to succeed late in the game and, and able to salt the game away as a result. You know, they were 4-4 in the red zone. They did get 20 points. But again, it was those two early field goals. It was like, what, 9 nothing at halftime? Yeah, that was when I saw the score there. It was, uh, oh, I got the wrong game up here. But they did pull away in that third quarter, fourth quarter, actually. Yeah, it was 9-0. And only 10, is should uh, be a 16-3 going into the fourth final frame. So it was and the, I think, you know, the, a lot of the reason that it never really felt in doubt, though, is the defense had an awesome game. Yeah, like the opening drive, Northern Colorado wanted to be aggressive. They're sitting at the fourth and set. Like it's a no man's land. Okay, we got to go for it. They stop on fourth down. Then they go three and out, three and out, interception, three and out, three and out before the half. It took them until that long drive in the third quarter to get any points on the board. And that was a drive that also they only went 45 yards to get to field goal. They, yeah, defense just kind of smothered them in. Colorado, now, I mean, what, what stood out to me was I think it was on on UNC's very first drive of the game. You know, Shea Suiaunoa came in and just rocked Dylan McCaffrey for a loss of ten yards, and I thought to myself, "Oh, okay, they came to play today." That defense yeah, I mean, did. You know, you that type of play. And so, yeah, you know, and like that was really sort of the the opening salvo. They ended up with five sacks uh, overall. 
And, you know, some of their young guys had really big performances as well. You know, Oluwase Omotosho, for instance, you know, we knew that their, their, their ranks at defensive line or defensive end in particular, rather, had been thinned, but he stepped up big time in this game. He had three sacks. You know, they had 10 quarterback hurries as well. You know, Cole Godbout had three. Braden Siders had two. Easton Gibbs had two. So like that, that front set, that front six was doing excellent work overall. And it didn't really matter who was under center for, for the Bears, whether it was McCaffrey or whether it was Jacob Sermon. They just were not able to get anything going in this game. And so like, even if it took three and a half quarters for the offense to really put the game away, it never really felt like it was in doubt because the defense played like it was lights out. Yeah. And that's quite helpful. And that's what oh, they, and they got. And that. they also got really good special teams again, John Hoyland four four on field goals as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a team where all they got to do is literally be above average offense and they're going to be in a lot of games. And I don't know if they're above average offense, but they're good enough in this game. Like Titus Swen. The three touchdowns, seventy six yards. I pretty good. I think they're getting better. I think I was yeah. I, I was a little worried that the offense. I, I mean, they haven't been prolific. Let's say. <laughs> Come but on, I, those two I words thought, never go together. But I thought the offense would sputter a little more than it did last week against Tulsa and and in this game against UNC. And so, you know, they're going to have a big opportunity at home against Air Force. We're going to talk about that, you know, in our next preview podcast for Week Three. But, you know, the, this Wyoming team has been, you know, fairly impressive through three games so far. Like, they, they've, they've steadily improved over their showing over Illinois on, in week zero. Let's put it that way. Yeah, definitely. All right, what's our next game then? What do we got here? Okay, well, now we do have to talk yeah. Middle Tennessee 34, Colorado State 19. Um, I'm not concerned about this Rams team, but if you want a team to win now, you may want to um, check back in in about 10, 10, 10 to 14 months. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's it's starting to think – I'm starting to think I'm going to have to reset my expectations for this team. Rams were a pretty big favorite. They ended up getting not even – they were never in this game at all. Lose, what was the final score? 34-19. They weren't they even – They threw a pick they, six on the very first play of the game. Yeah, Clay Millen had a lot of yards, completed a decent number of passes overall, but the pick six, a couple interceptions – no running game like Tory Horton had a, had an awesome game all touchdowns like there are some a few bright spots but offensively I mean defensively thirty four points not good but there yeah it's it's weird that this game like it's like a thirty point swing for what people thought would happen to what actually did happen in this game like it's I mean, sort of like it, it's odd because like the rush defense. Didn't give up that many yards overall, really. Yeah, Frank Pete's had a pretty good game, but it took him a lot of carries to get to almost 100 yards. There's all these deep passing plays in secondaries where they got really beat, I think, was most part, like 40-yarder, 30-yarder. Those deep passing plays are what really, I think, set them apart in this game for the Rams' defense. And obviously, pick six right away doesn't help to deflate everything you have on the first play of the game, essentially. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like the defense didn't make – good plays you know they they did have a couple of sacks they did have you know 12 tfls as a team muhammad kamara in particular had another very good game you know he had a sack and in, in three tfls on his own and including a forced fumble that he recovered himself um you know jack howell was all over the place he had 17 tackles in an interception 
So they got some nice individual performances and they, they made Middle Tennessee work for it throughout the game, but they just did not get help from the offense until it was too late. You know, you look at that drive chart and basically tells you everything you need to know. You know, they got into Middle Tennessee territory just once in their first one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine drives. And then, and then they fumbled once they got there. (laughs) Because <laughs> they got all their points in the third quarter. When I saw it was thirty, like twenty-seven zero, I'm like, "What is going on in this game?" It was embarrassing for the way it took them so long to get going. So, like, ever like in the first half, they went their longest drive was five plays, and they fumbled twice and had a million punts and a pick six. Three three first half turnovers is never going to win a game. You're down twenty-seven yeah. zero, and then. They score on the first play, or excuse me, not the first play, the first drive when the the Blue Raiders got the ball on a quick four-play, 75-yard drive. That included one of those big plays, and plus a pass interference as well on that third and seven. Yeah, well, I mean, they were 0 of 6 in that first half on third downs as well, only 3 of 8 overall. And, you know, the one thing that I think is the biggest problem, which is not going to get fixed overnight, that offensive line – it it was not all Michigan. Nope. And and granted, if you want to put it in context, they played the majority of the game without both of their starting tackles. You know, their left tackle, Brian Crespo-Aquez, uh, it came out, I, I can't remember if it was before or after the game, but he's done for the year with a knee injury. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Dante Keyes, their right tackle, got knocked out of commission fairly early in that game. So, they were having to you know, move pieces around in a way that they, they probably were not expecting to. And Millen played, paid the price as a result. Like they were even worse against middle Tennessee than they were against Michigan. They gave up nine sacks. Oh, jeez! And it was just that nine sacks, three forced fumbles. It was just, it was rough for Millen all the way around. And you could tell he was frustrated by it. You know, it was, I was downloading images and there's just this one shot of him and he's got his head thrown back and you can just tell like, what do I have to do to make something happen? And, you know, honestly, until they get that offensive line situation settled, it could look just as rough for the foreseeable future. Like, you know, we saw what this offense could be in that third quarter, especially, Mm -hmm. but it seems more likely that it's going to take more time for things to settle down. Yeah. The second half looked better, right? Because they put up well, the, yeah, the third, the third quarter looked better. Yeah. Defense as well. What like every, it wasn't just them scoring points. The defense held middle Tennessee State. They got the turnovers in that third quarter. I'll after the <laughs> touchdown, obviously, because that kind of sealed the game, but turnover on downs because MTSU is like, well, you guys got nothing. Fourth and one, we'll get it. They for some reason throw a pass. I'm like, okay, what the hell are you doing? But the BU, I guess. But then the fumble, punt, interception. There was that missed field goal, but at second half after that touchdown, they looked quite well. So there are some positives to look at this game, but the negatives kind of outweigh it when you're blown out in the first half and it takes that long to figure things out. But again, Dante, like, what's up with what's where's Dante right? Like, what's the deal? Am I like what are we missing here? You didn't have any targets again? No, no, well, I don't know about targets, but no stats. No stats, as far as I can tell. I'm not a, I'm not a stat broadcaster. Is for some reason, um, password protected for the Rams because you know the secrets for real time stats is a big deal. Huh. But um, he's he's literally MIA, and 
I unless we and because he, he's on the field, right? He's playing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't know what the deal is where he no injury issues. We look through it like through the season, trying to pull up his numbers here. If he has, if he even has any so, numbers, like, has he? Like, so one thing that and somebody asked Kevin Lytle of Colorado about this. He's not hurt. It's just that you know, uh, Juan Stovall starts, and he just has not seen that much action so far. Is he not? good anymore like it's these these guys are much better because we see what he could do when he like why he's not even returning okay, so the way that Lytle explained it is they just haven't rotated a lot of receivers much and you know i would i if i had more time i would look up you know pff and their snap counts and see sort of how that bears out in the first couple of weeks but i would think that that tracks it probably does but like he's a guy where like he is He's returning kicks. He's like, okay, here's the thing. Here, here's where you know his his zero stats in the year. I'm on C, cfbstats.com. You cannot click on his name for 2022. Okay, so so here, just put this in context. <laughs> he has no stats. That's my context right now. So, so according to Pro Football Focus, okay, Pull the starting three receivers, Tory Horton, Melquan Stovall, and Ty McCullough, have mm-hmm. played either. You know, Stovall has played 109 total snaps. Horton and McCulloch have both played 121. Dante Wright has played eight offensive snaps. There's something going on there because he's too good to not be on the field, right? Like not even returning kicks. He's a guy that he'd run the ball. He'd get kicks. He'd get punts. I don't know. Something's something's going on there, right? I have no idea. I mean, I know that's our best guess, though. Well, uh, let's move on. What's the next game we're doing, doing here? Is it Incarnate Word yet? Or is it Hawaii? Michigan? Yeah, Incarnate Word 55, Nevada 41. Matt, I should have prepared a speech for you, but I didn't have enough time. But I apologize for doubting Incarnate. If you say, no, watch out for Incarnate Word. They're going to do fine. I'm like, Ken Wilson knows defense. But does he? They did for a <laughs> little did. while in this game. What, the first quarter when they scored nine points? I mean, it looked pretty good early when they forced a fumble and interception on Incarnate Word's two. Two first drives. Well, but then Lindsey Scott figured something out, threw for 400 plus yards and 16 yards per attempt to catch. Can they put a hand on Darian Chafin, who's still open for 37 yards per catch? Dude had, was yeah. he's a dude. Like, oh my gosh. I, I'm glad Nate Cox had 300 yards passing. That's solid, but it's like Toa Tao had a good game, but when you're known for defense and you give up this many points to an FCS team, I know they're a good one. I'm gonna make some noise and probably make a playoff run. You should, you should still shouldn't be allowing this many points, and that's I was hoping three and zero. But they just defensively they couldn't do anything, even though like they got a couple turnovers, but the, everything went wrong. Like per per pass, like every time the ball was in the air, it went 16 yards for incarnate words. Like it's not good. They, no, were, I mean, it, yeah, like it, yeah. it wasn't like. It wasn't an F type performance. Let's put it that way. Defensively, but there sure. was de- uh, no because uh, I mean the offense scored forty one points. If you had seen them against New Mexico State two weeks ago, do you think they would have scored forty one points at any point this season? No, I'm saying defensively an F. That's what I'm getting at. But no, you're right about the offense doing something. But how much is that incarnate word, or how much is that Nevada moving the ball and figuring things out in game three? It's well, that's an excellent ball. question, and and I think oh. that's a fair question to ask too. Because the passing game did look a lot better. And it was only Nate Cox this game, too. 
Yeah, they they finally got you know some some different players involved. Your BJ Castell uh, was the leading receiver, five catches, eighty five yards, and a touchdown. About you time. know, Delavon Campbell had what was maybe the catch of the weekend. Did you happen to see that one? I didn't really watch this game fully, so I didn't see that catch. I only saw yeah, he had he had one sort of heads up catch, and and I should have mentioned it with Joshua Cobbs in Wyoming earlier. You know, all along the sidelines, just be, you know, getting you know able to get one foot down, like very heads up type play, very gutsy throw from from Nate Cox to start with. And you know, Tala and Devonte Lee did manage 160 yards and two scores between them, like they were right around you know four, you know, 4.3, 4.4 yards per carry. So that was fine. Yeah. But they also lost two fumbles in this game. They also finally met their match on the defensive side of the ball, too. They were also very careless. Ten total penalties for 78 yards. And they gave up that much ground, despite the fact that Incarnate Word... Did you see how many penalties Incarnate Word had? Uh, no, I can look at the credit. I don't have the exact number. 18 okay. penalties for 145 yards. Wow. Hey, they're about a 10%. did not matter. No, it's like who cares? Get, we want the extra. We want the t- holding penalty. We want the false start penalty. I want to rack my stats. I, I'm starting myself in my college fantasy league. Come on, Lindsay Scott's thinking. I, I want ten more yards yeah. to get, get do something. And, it, good. and I think it's worth noting too. Like you know, the, yeah, the final score sucks, but it was still a one touchdown game with two minutes to go. You know, they were they had a chance until the end, and yeah, I think 40, that there's going to be. I mean, I think that there's a lot that you can like if you're a Wolfpack fan. There's obviously a lot not to like. But the offense took another step forward, which I think is encouraging on the whole. Mm-hmm. I think one thing that they're definitely going to have to work on, too, um, you know, the, their pass protection bona fides definitely took a huge hit in this game. You know, Chris Whitaker in particular. I, did we mention? I think I mentioned him in particular in the, in the preview podcast, right? I don't recall. Like, let's put it this but way. I'll say, hold on. Like, their their but, stars uh, came out to play. Hold on, ask you know, me a question again, Matt. <laughs> you, did yes, you mention Chris fine. Whitaker in the previous <laughs> podcast? Of course, yes, you did. <laughs> Four sacks, one forced fumble. That's a day. Yeah, and, and he was hardly the only, like, it was basically like a star-driven performance for the Cardinals on the side of the ball. Caleb Culp, their safety, 12 tackles, you know, one TFL and, and a forced fumble. And I think that that forced fumble actually led directly to an incarnate word touchdown early in the game. You know, Kalechi Amyalabechi, 12 tackles and tackle and a half for loss. And and he recovered a fumble, ran, ran 59 yards for it. I think that was actually one of their was that a, it was the defensive touchdown in the third quarter. Yeah, the first possession when Nevada had it. So this part of it too, that fumble, and then they had to plant five plays later. So that was a quick 14 yeah, swing. They had those sort of impact plays on defense that had really been a hallmark of, of Nevada's first couple of games. So again, was it disappointing? Yes. Was it the worst FCS loss of the weekend by a Mountain West team? Not even close. <laughs> I mean, in, in Carter, Carter Ward is a very good team. Oh, yeah. I still think Nevada could be a solid team. Maybe. I think. I mean, I'm more. I'm still more optimistic about the Wolfpack than I was coming into the season. Do we have and that's a? Mostly, and that's mostly because we know more about them now. We know that they're at least competent on both sides of the ball, and and maybe won't get blown out in the same way that we might have feared coming into the season with so many unknowns. 
Is there a line yet for Iowa and Nevada next week? Uh, I saw. I mean, I saw the tweet from Circus Sports. I don't have it in front of me though. I should pull it up. I was gonna. I hold on. Let me. I think I have. We'll look at. I want to see. Hold on. I got. Hold on. I got Vegas Insiders open on one of my tabs here because they. What, what they do score? They beat Iowa State, right? Or no, they lost Iowa State. Like what, ten to three? Uh, Iowa is favored by twenty. And the over under is forty one and a half. Hold on, hold on. Excuse me. They're what? Say that again. They are twenty point favorites. They're not going to be twenty points combined in this game unless Nevada scores. Though. Well, did did you hear the over under too? No, sorry, I would say forty. <laughs> the over under is forty one and a half, which this is not tracks. The, what is the NFL? What, what's going on here? Let me text somebody and say take the under. No, it's not the, the NFL. Cover. It's just just Iowa Hawkeyes football, baby. That's Brian, all it is. Brian Ferentz calling the plays, and somehow he has that job. I'm gonna. I need to maybe text a friend and say, "Hey, give me Nevada to cover because Iowa can't even score twenty points." Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that a little bit later. But I mean, yeah, not a great oh showing by Nevada. Still, plenty of positive takeaways though. Yeah, I, I I could see that. Yeah. So what what do we got next year? Is it the worst FCS loss of the weekend? Uh, that would be correct. That would be Weber State thirty five, Utah State seven. What happened in this game? Um, I can tell you. Um, due to inside information, a few people who are part of the radio broadcast are uh, not too happy. Clearly, for what happened, very upset about the issue this game uh let me let's back up here let's go big picture um what's up with blake anderson why is he pissing on all the fans how does he how do you do that that's unacceptable and a dumb move after getting beat out by his fans booing the quarterback play when logo bonner which and then saying his fans showed his true colors i say the coach showed his true colors by being irresponsible and stoking the fire and just uh not being a guy he should be who he's kind of thinks he should be. I think that's like one of the dumbest comments you could say where you crap on all your fans. There's fans ways fickle, to say man. That's, I, a, that's everywhere. That's not a Utah state thing. That's, no, that's, no, no, a, no, no, you're I, playing, that's a, you're playing badly and we're, we're expressing our displeasure. Oh no, that's clear. I'm saying that. Why is the coach doing that? Why is he piling on? Oh, oh, I don't know. Maybe it's because he's an idiot. How many times? Well, okay. So they crossed. So they got, past midfield on the first drive. They got to the Weber State 49 mm-hmm. and then did not cross midfield again until they picked off, you know, a, a Weber State pass, you know, right before halftime, got down to the mm-hmm. three-yard line and then threw another interception. Is he going to apologize for that, do you think? Because they're on a bye week, so he doesn't have to do a coach's show or media availability this week. Is he going to realize he made a mistake in saying that comment? I think he probably will. Because here's the, he could be, my point is like, if they're college kids, like, yeah, maybe don't be as hard on them for fans, but fans do what they want to do. But he could say it's like booing a college kid's unacceptable. And I don't like when our fan base does it, but I understand when we play poorly, we hold ourselves to a better accountability and not have results like we did on Saturday. Say something like that. I get he's heated and mad, but you can't go out and saying, oh, you're showing who you really are because coach, that shows who you are. But this team, like, Okay, this is – okay, I'm going to try to say it's delicately so I don't have my own Coach Anderson moment here. But <laughs> Utah State fans, I get it. Not a good showing. We all knew they'd take a step back, even though all these fans, oh, they're, they're going to repeat. Why is nobody picking them to repeat? 
well, this situation happened, but nobody could foresee them losing to Weber State by 28 points. The offense was terrible. Logan Barner had probably his worst game ever as a college quarterback, three interceptions. Calvin Tyler didn't play very well. The receiving core, like McGriff, nothing. Terrell Vaughn, Van Lewin, nobody played well. Defense got, I mean, they got some pressure, some TFLs down there. Like Connor Reynolds did well. AJ Vonchapunk did well. A couple of different guys got to the got to the backfield, but I don't think anybody would say it would be this bad for the for the Aggies this year. Now they're sitting at one and two, and now it looks even more weird. They lose to Alabama fifty five nothing, where they struggle versus Texas, who has a good defense. But nothing went right for like the running game. They allowed a decent amount of yards. Like Josh Davis, I didn't even think he was still around on this team. I thought he moved on. I wouldn't even talk about in the preview because he's an FCS All-American guy, really, really good running back. And they couldn't guard anybody in the secondary to save their lives. Too many deep plays. Like, Bronson Barron completed 11 passes, but 200 yards. Like, what's going yeah, on here? They couldn't do anything right. Yeah, but the other thing is, too, it could have been a lot worse, except Barron also had three interceptions as well in this game. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it's like it could have lost 50 to 7. So, you know, they, 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 the problem was... Or conversely, Aggies could have more points by getting three interceptions. They only get seven points. So there's a lot of issues, but four picks... The offense was basically dead on arrival from the first play. You know, because they they got three interceptions and they didn't do anything with it. Their only points in the game came on a 100-yard kick return. Yeah, no offensive points. Not good. Yeah, it was just, it was a lost cause all the way around. They were 0 of 10 on their first third down opportunities, 2 of 15 overall, 1 of 4 on fourth downs. So they tried to be aggressive and just failed repeatedly. 11 penalties for 101 yards. It was sloppy. It was ineffective. It was just bad football all the way around. So, you know, if I were there, I probably would have booed too. Yeah. So Coach Anderson needs to take responsibility for this result as well. It's more than anybody, more than his players. He should step in and say, hey, boo me. I was the head coach. Don't say don't boo my quarterback. Like, boo me. Look at me. I This is my – I'm the head coach. I'm in charge. I make yeah, $2 I mean, million dollars a year. Here's he, the thing, he needs to right? take it on himself. He needs to take responsibility, and he passes along, essentially. He says it's fans or whatever. They don't care. They don't know what they're talking about. Don't boo this guy. It's nothing to see here. He dismissed it, and he shouldn't have. I mean, let's let's put it this way. Yeah, yes, Logan Bonner. Logan Bonner led you to a conference championship last year. Uh, the the conference championship was nine months ago at this point. Yeah, and right now he's not really doing much to help you win football games. Mm-hmm. So they've got two weeks to figure it out before UNLV, I believe, comes to Logan. And UNLV is not a pushover. UNLV could go in there and win this game if they continue playing like they have basically, you know, 10 out of the 12 quarters that they played this year. They're, you know, we talked about teams that aren't out of the woods yet. Like Utah State has a lot to prove. And and obviously, you know, the quarterback situation draws most of the headlines, draws most of the clicks, drives most of the conversation. But everybody on that roster has something to prove at this point. Like, that's that's just what happens when you lose as badly to an FCS team. As good as Weber State probably could be this year, nobody saw this coming. And so fans have every right to be pissed about it. 
Yeah. So this team, I've been around long enough to know when this team is literally what UConn, UMass, New Mexico State is, Charlotte. Mm-hmm. This is not hyperbole. This is not me just talking whatever. This literally could be their worst loss ever as a program playing college football. With expectations of what they should be from what the turnaround. This isn't them being we're 0-12 or 2-10 and year before. We're just struggling to get maybe three wins if we're lucky, playing five bye games when we're in the freaking Big West, or not Big West, the old Sun Belt, playing out here where we have to go to Oklahoma, Auburn, Texas. Like, no joke, play do what Texas Southern did in basketball where they played every non-conference game away from home to make money and usually big-time teams for the most part, tournament-style teams. This isn't that Utah State team who needs money that bad and they're just hoping to get three wins and get 4,000 people in the stadium. This is a team with expectations, with hope, again, reigning conference champion, and they get embarrassed and never got off the bus. This might be, no joke, their worst loss ever in program history. Maybe one of our guys could tell us I'm wrong. We've been lifelong Aggies fans, but there hasn't been a loss where, yeah, you go to Oklahoma, you go to Auburn, it was 55-3. to Well, that's expected when you're the year 2000, when you have freaking Brent guys, your head coach who can't do anything. This loss with combined with what they expect this team, worst ever, I'm going to say it. Ever. I think it's an eminently reasonable take, though. Thank you. Uh, only reasonable? Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it, it's bad. Like, it was, I was, like, I literally work five feet from some guys who work on the radio broadcast, and they were pissed. Like, I think Coach Anderson blew off the their post-game inter- interview after the game. I don't think he joined the radio show broadcast afterwards. <laughs> I could be mistaken because I was busy doing other things at work, but I, I was in the room for part of that game. I'm like, what is going on? Like, yikes. So, uh, so what did 10, like, what's the, what's the concern level? How, what's the panic level for Aggie fans after losing this bad? Probably like a seven or an eight. Not a, not a nine and a half. I mean, it's, it's one thing to not be competitive against Alabama. It's an entirely different thing to not be competitive against a Weber state. They struggled versus UConn. This is this yeah, is a trend, I mean, man. Yeah, oh, I know. Okay, making sure. I thought I figured seven. You're too nice. You're the nice guy. To but again, again, <laughs> yo, know, and and I think I forget who was it pointing this out on Twitter. Let's not forget too. Last November, they got blown out at home by Wyoming, gave up 44 points to the Cowboys, and then they turned around and and, and still won a conference championship. So. Wait, wait, I hold on. That's, that's an FB. That's a bull. That was a FBS team. That did one go to bowl game last year? Did they play somebody? Yes. Okay, they lost to a bowl team. This is an FCS team. That's a huge gap in difference. That's not. I don't. I don't think that comparison works all that well. But I get your point. I mean, I don't know if a it's a perfect comparison. But again, lot, lots, lot of answers to find in the next couple of weeks. Good thing they have a bye week, I guess. All right, next team. Where are we getting at? Auburn 24, San Jose State 16. Is the best part of the game when the Duck was at the game? That was pretty nice. You travel? Yeah, you got a a pick with Coach Brennan? Awesome. However, this I'm surprised it was this close due to the Portland State game last week when they, or I guess week and a half at this point now, where they did not move the ball well and needed the late late second touchdown to win. But Shavon Cordero played well. Again, the running game didn't show up, which is un- unfortunate. Defense played pretty good overall. TJ Finley was okay. 
no touchdowns, had to pick, two interceptions overall defensively. It was the offense couldn't he get was bad. enough to TJ Finley? TJ Finley was bad. Oh, yeah, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, yeah, they didn't play. Well, like, yeah, barely 50% of the passes. Yeah. I mean, they picked them off. They running game wasn't impressive. There's was a couple big runs that hurt hurt them, but there was it was just a Auburn just had just enough, and their defense was what won Auburn this game, essentially. Allowing just only uh, what the one touchdown run that's it, I believe it was overall. Yeah, I mean, it was <sighs> Siobhan Cordero was the best quarterback on the field. Oh, which miles ahead. Yeah, yeah. Was it was Dude, a not... it was a which was a mild surprise because I mean, you know, we know he's sort of mercurial from week to week, but he almost won this game single handedly for them. You know, 275 yards, but I think more importantly, they had more big plays than I thought they would get against this Auburn defense, too. You know, seven big passing plays that totaled 163 yards, and that was more or less what kept them afloat in this game. The problem was they could not finish drives. Or because they got they got to the red zone five times and had just 16 points out of those trips. Three field that's, goals, one touchdown. That's where running the ball comes into play, where they don't run the ball very well. Only 54 yards overall. Also, they Auburn, they forced four fumbles, recovered zero. Get one or two of those. Yeah. This is, Fumble this luck did not go their way. Yeah, it's just it's fumble. It's just something to point out where it's like, like uh, maybe they get one of those, but it's just one of those things where it's not a round ball and it's oblong shaped and bounce weirds in a wet on a mm-hmm. wet grass surface. So it's like, well, what are you going to do? Try to get they had a couple sack, a couple TFLs, a sack, broke up a few passes. Like they were competitive in this game and were clearly obviously I don't want to say like not embarrassed, which they weren't. They were there was no just this general difference in this game from who could have won or either team could have won or lost this game. Like Auburn's defense stepped up when it counted, which we'll get similar things with Fresno and Oregon State a bit. But are you right? The red zone issues, like they got those points in the third quarter, or excuse me, not third quarter, but the uh was it the field goal in the late in the game? The two field goals, they get one of those mm-hmm. touchdowns, and who knows what happens? Like maybe that last drive, something something different comes up when it's, I guess, fourth and nine, nineteen. That last drive where they kicked it, where you got to get points so you can get points, but red zone offense got to be better. But that's part of it too. When you don't run the ball well and you have to rely only on passing, and your quarterback is a guy who, what completed fifty seven percent of his passes, he does well enough, but he didn't have a touchdown. It was just the Auburn defense clamped down when it got close. Also, one good thing, we figured Tink Bigsby would have a huge game. He had the touchdown, but that's it, really. Only 51 yards. The running game was fine. Like, five and a half yards of carry given up isn't ideal, but nobody really was back-breaking against the San Jose defense. There was two big running plays, and that's about, I guess, if you want to count that 19-yarder, but they held, they acquitted themselves well enough in the ground game against Auburn. It wasn't a great performance. It wasn't bad either, and it could have been worse, I felt. No, I mean, I think you're right. I think, you know, despite the fact that, yeah, that Auburn got a touchdown every single time it went into the end zone, or excuse me, into the red zone, zone. that's, like I said, that's more or less your game right there. I think you can be encouraged by the fact that they they played more disciplined football than Auburn did. You know, Auburn had nine penalties, Mm -hmm. um, and they had a comparable third down conversion rate, too. The Tigers were only four of 11 on, on third downs in this game. So they definitely made them work for for everything that they got. It's just that, you know, without sort of enough explosiveness in the offense and without sort of a reliable complement to Cordero. And I think, you know, he played well. I would also say that, you know, the trio of receivers, excuse me, the trio of receivers he was leaning on most prominently 
you know, Charles Ross, uh, Justin Lockhart, Elijah Cooks, all those guys played well too. They just didn't have oh. enough op- answers on offense to be able to come away with an upset. Also, it should be noted that when Auburn scored these two touchdowns, they covered a fourth downs as well to keep those going. Yeah. So the defense couldn't quite hold the run when they really needed to. So a couple of things here or there, like it wasn't much, like maybe they stop them one time on the fourth down. Auburn, they kick a field goal instead of touchdown. Spartans get TD instead of field goal in the red zone. There's a, a dozen plays probably that could have made the difference. Recover one of the fumbles. Like this game was much better than I thought it would be. I kind of thought Auburn would kind of roll with it a little bit, win by two touchdowns easier. But this is a one-possession game, and Spartans do a few things here, a few different things here and there, run the ball better. Because, like, their defense against Auburn on third down, 4 of 11, but those two fourth-down conversions were huge. They had mm-hmm. fewer penalties. Like, they run the ball better, and there's a – it's hard to – there's not hard to say. There's a, too many ways to say where they could have came out victorious in this game, which is, I guess, a good sign if you want to look at it that way, where if you did a bunch of – enough things happen wrong that they shouldn't, they shouldn't happen wrong every game. Not wrong, but just not going their way or not producing or not – yeah, capitalizing like there's enough ways for them to win this game where a couple things could have had been a, uh, been the difference, and I'm impressed and pleasantly surprised the change from week one to now in this game. Our first I would agree. Game, I should say. All right, what's our next game here? We haven't talked to Michigan. We keep we keep rolling past Michigan. What's going on here? Well, now we can talk about Michigan. Uh, Fifty six to ten over Hawaii. I don't know why my ESPN puts that as the number one game on Saturday for me. Maybe I accidentally have like Hawaii's a favorited team, so it puts them at the top. Yeah. No um, first off, we already knew the quarterback situation was going to be McCarthy going on after this because Harbaugh, nobody's dummy. We're not stupid, but who? I don't care about that situation. But this game, like, why give Timmy Ching time? If anybody thought he would be, this team would be slinging the ball around. I thought they'd pass a bit better at least. But Joey Allen, like, um, so yeah, why, I'm guilty. That, with, you're talking about me. Well, not, not, you're not the only one, but I felt they throw better, like through 37 times, but maybe a little bit you, but not necessarily. So yeah. I watched a little bit of this. I didn't, I, I, I kind of blasted this game. Like I didn't have a salad or anything, but what happened like Schrager? Why did he not play at all? Because Joey Yellen got the start and played the overwhelming majority of the game outside of one pass by Brian Lillet. I didn't see anything about his availability. So I felt both would play again, but I figured Schrager would get the, like at least 70% of the plays. Hey, it didn't matter. Yeah, though. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I did see something. Uh, I guess Well, I'm, now I'm reviewing, and apparently he did suffer some kind of injury mm, the prior so Saturday. Sad. So that would probably explain why Yellen got the majority of this. But I guess I'm also curious, too, as to why Kim and Cooper hasn't seen the, 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 the field at all. Because I just... I don't think Yellen is the answer, man. And maybe some of it is the competition, but also like Western Kentucky didn't necessarily have a great defense either. Mm. Here's the thing, man. It's going to, it's going to take a while for the offense to figure these things out. I mean, I think they need to find a quarterback first and foremost that they can rely upon. And, and Yellen, you know, to, to, to this point in the season, 27 of 67. That's a 40% completion rate. Averaging 3.6 yards per attempt. No boy. I don't think he's the guy. They'll need to find a guy, and we'll see who it is. But like overall this game, like you had Tylen Hines. He was the one bright spot. Bright spot. He had a 54-yard touch and touch, escorted touchdown. 
Um, besides that, there wasn't much like they had, what, two sacks, two TFLs. Michigan got off to a 21-0, 42-0 start at the half. Like, there was literally nothing Hawaii could do. And they Michigan severely, easily pulled off the breaks and could have won 70-10 to 10 if they wanted to in this game. Yeah. So if you took Michigan to, to cover, sorry, guys. <laughs> but there, I don't know. That's what are we going to say about Hawaii? Like, there's a lot to go. They lose by 46 points. What are we going to get to? That's the only difference besides maybe going to another quarterback and hoping the defense can do better when they play next week. They're 0 3, giving up, was it 60? How much to Vandy? 65 points? 63. 63 to Vandy. Oh my gosh. Did, is it time to talk about Hawaii being the worst team in FBS? Are we at that point? There, they, there are already people on Twitter putting it out there. Because they've given up over, if my math's here, so 160 points all year, something like that. They've 63, given up 56 four. points per game so far. Okay. one it was at 118 then for the season. Hey, they got your game next week and New Mexico State, so there's some chances, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to put, this, to, put it, to put it in context, the last team – to give up over 40 points a game was San Jose State in 2017. And I'm going backwards on CFB stats. And that's the only team that I'm – well, actually, no. There were a couple teams in 2013 as well. But basically, going back to 2009, Mm. there were a grand total of six teams in the conference that have given up 40 points a game. Yikes. Hawaii's at 56 points a game allowed. It's gonna take a while to figure this out. Yeah, it's gonna take a minute. Uh man. Um hmm. is there anything else to really add? Because I have nothing else to say for this game. It was not like, really, no. All right, let's move on. What do we got next year? San Diego State 38, Idaho State 7. You know what I say about this game? Rebels are better than Aztecs. They put up 53 points, 50 plus points over Idaho State. <laughs> That'll sting to some people. Out watching there. the Aztecs in this game was like watching a glass of room temperature tap water. Next week's game when they play Utah is going to be weird because I already looked at the line right now, not to jump ahead. Somehow Utah's a three touchdown favorite, and I don't get it, but we'll get to that later. And I know, yes, Utah scored 70 something points against Southern Utah, but this game, like, it's kind of what Aztecs do, right? They kind of just win and just kind of take care of business. Defense and special teams, right? Yeah, they gave up only seven points. Burmeister they knocked out Tyler Vanderwall. Yeah, they play and then playing three quarterbacks. So yeah, they only one touch. They had the one touchdown. Vanderwall was the only thing they had. But like running game did well. Burmeister, I guess he seemed healthy. Had that big touchdown run, but his passing wise, like 108 yards, like not very good. It's it's an Aztecs win. Here's the, okay, not let's go. It's let's the Platonic talk. ideal of an Aztecs win. It just wasn't. It wasn't necessarily very fun to watch. Yeah, when they're, yeah, the rushing. I guess the rushing game was would have been was fun to watch actually because look how many big running plays they had. They had quite a few. Yes, yes, but at the same time, I, I want to point this out because you know we had a similar kind of conversation about the Aztecs after their loss against Arizona, where we talked about how they had some nice runs, but it was very boomer bust, right? And that was more or less the case in this game, too, because on the one hand, yes, they did have eight running plays that totaled 275 total rushing yards. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Problem was, 
you know, that accounted for about three quarters of the Russian production in this game. Yeah, uh, sorry, I'm trying, trying to check this out. So like 72%, 71%, whatever. It's a, it's a lot. They basically averaged three and a half yards of carry on all the other runs that they had in this game. So a lot more boom, but just as much bust as they as they had against Arizona. So that is something that bears watching going into next week's game and beyond. It does, and can they do that? Like, if they do that, that's hard to replicate. But they get, the consistency is a key. And I would, here's what it looks like. But they what Burmer, here's the Burmeister ran eight times out of the second. I guess technically, yeah, third most, second most, eight nine. You had Cam Davis, you had Jordan Bird, only four carries. They didn't need these guys, so I guess getting multiple other guys carries is good. Change Bill had four carries, but it's. Big plays are big plays. You're 180 yards. You can't complain. This is a win where they had to rebound and change their things. It's like when we talk about UNLV. Who cares who you beat, but you beat, you did what you're supposed to and got the win. They didn't so like, really change anything, though. They just went back to basics. That's Maybe that's all they had to do in this game, and they'll figure out next week when they play uh, when they play Utah, which will be much more difficult level level when they play it. Le- like, le- diff- yeah, level of difficulty will be much different playing in Salt Lake City against a team that was pissed off to Florida took it out in Southern Utah, and now they play an Aztec team, which, as I say a million times, Utah, San Diego State, and a little degree, Iowa are all the same team, essentially. Except mm-hmm. Aztecs and Utah can actually score points when they really, really want to and want to try to score points. Iowa doesn't want to score points. Yeah. Uh, but we got to be better throwing the ball still. Like they allowed, I'm so, I am surprised they allowed Burmeister to throw 26 times. I wonder if that was a health thing. Like, let's see how how healthy he really is. Let him throw the ball a lot since he didn't the week before in the opener loss against Arizona. Mm-hmm. So, also, what's concerning? Oh, kind of lucky for them. Five fumbles. They only lose two of the five. That's not good. So, mm-hmm. there's a couple things there, like a few guys. But there's a. It's fine. Defense is okay. Like, did you mention Katie McDonald with his two and a half TFLs in the sack? Pretty good. I did not. Okay, so I'll, I'll throw that in there. All right, let's move on. It's time to move on, Matt, to the next game. The last game. <laughs> yeah. Fresno Oregon State 35. Oh, Fresno State 32. They should not have lost this game. I have a question for you, Matt. You're um, you're not in any way a football coach of any sense, are you? Are you a uh... – uh, I am not, Jeremy. Okay. Just make it sure. So the very last – let's start. Let's go in reverse. The very last play of the game. Um, when they bring in their guy who's known Cameron Lockridge to, uh, or not, what am I thinking? <laughs> when they bring Jack in guy, sorry, I know I'm, I know why I said Lockridge. I, I'm looking at Samuels and Bullets. Sorry, Clyde. I'm like, that's just, as I say, I'm like, that's not what I'm wanting here. Sorry. I'm whatever. I watched that play a couple times. I watched it yesterday. I'm like, okay, watch it again today. I'm like, why? There, what, what were they? To two yard line? Is that correct, Matt? Before Clyde was wrong? Yeah. Um, do you know what the play was going to be when he came in to the game? Yes. How many other times did he do it in this game? Uh, he did it on the first touchdown of the game, which also oh, happened he, to be from oh, two yards out. Oh, wait. He had a touchdown already in the first game, in the first part of the game, right? Is that yeah, it opened the, the scoring. Ah, oh, okay. Why the hell did they have three guy linebackers in the middle of the end zone? <laughs> That's a Why very good it- question. Okay, well, okay, let's Okay, so let's let, let me let me put a pin in that for a second. Let me ask okay. you. 
If yep. you see Oregon State lining up for a field goal to send it into overtime, do you take that timeout and make them change their mind or and give them the opportunity to change their mind? Or do you let it ride? I know why. I know what the answer Jeff Tedford gave. Here's the answer he gave, and then I'll go back to my answer. To make sure it's about personnel, having the right guys on the field for the field goal. Correct. However, I I don't think there is any way Oregon State was going to fake a field goal there to score a touchdown. No. So who cares if you have your right guys in the field? Just don't – here, here. it's even even worse to to think about just now. You have the wrong personnel. What's the wrong personnel? your fourth down defense or third down defense, whatever it is, your typical defense. That means those guys will be prepared if they fake it, right? Mm-hmm. You would think? So no, think. don't. I saw a couple plays, ice kicker. The people said that didn't watch the game because they didn't realize what well, wasn't ice to kicker was, oh crap, we don't have the right guys on there. They're kicking it here. We thought they're going for it. Well, leave that same unit on there. Don't give them a chance. Like, well, maybe we'll change it. And oh yeah, we were in this play in the first drive, the first possession early on with uh, our gigantic guy out there. Let's just do it again. Like, just leave it and go to overtime. Like your red zone offense wasn't great. That's something we'll get to as well. But I would, I would, especially being that close, had it been farther back, probably, or let's say there's a chance to get a first. Well, how much time was it? Was there a couple seconds left, right? Essentially, was that what it was? It was like five seconds. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I forgot about the time. Yeah. So I could see different scenarios we'd want to call timeouts. But in that case, just let him kick it. Like, who who cares who's on the field? As long as you have eleven guys, what's the problem, right? Let them take it. Don't give them the, you're right the chance to. Well, maybe we we'll, maybe we'll try this. Oh, well, okay. Let's. Uh, I don't know. I just felt the timeout. I mean, like the, I get his real. I, it's because he's a football coach and didn't think about the big picture. I think he he was thinking the, in the moment in the play. This isn't right, so let's fix it to get what's right out there. And then it's like, oh wait, they're going for it. Let's switch our defense again. The real shame of it is that the defense played exceptionally well for like 56 minutes in this game. And then just absolutely fell apart on Oregon State's last two drives. Yeah. Well, there's that. And also you put in your recap winners and losers, or both things. That in the recap game, red zone offense versus Fresno State was a piece of trash. They settled for field goals and not touchdowns. And they missed a field goal as well. And yeah, six trips into the red zone, 22 points. Um, that is, if my, if my math was correct, 3.67 points, points yeah. per drive. Also, um, here's, a, here's a pro tip. It's less than seven, which is what Oregon State got every single time they got into the red zone. <laughs> and I'm not even talking about the first field goal they missed, which was still reasonably made. Why are they go like, Jeff, Jeff Tedford, he's not as old as we think he is. Like, he's been around forever, but he's not like a super old coach. You have, you let the kicker who already missed one from shorter distance. Let's try a 52 yarder when you're inside the 35 yard line of your opponent and it's fourth and five. It's, it's not like it's fourth, fourth and five. Ten. Not, not a long fourth down. It's a manageable fourth down. So, so what they I should, asked that question in my recap. What does it say oh. about this offense that you're taking the ball out of the hands of the preseason offensive player of the year in a situation where you need five yards? Against a defense that's been that that was you know they they, they gave as good as they received in this game. The next time they, they touch the ball, they, 
They had, you know, five quarterback hurries, Oregon State did. They did have five TFLs, only one sack, though. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, the, the, the Oregon State defense played pretty well, but it wasn't infallible. You know, there was that stretch late in the game where it seemed like they were just trying to, they were trying to give it away. To present day, you had, you know, two holding penalties. And I think, I can't remember which drive that was on, but it, it extended the, the, you know, the drive in Fresno State's case in both instances. It was just like, why are you putting your kicker in a situation like that? Look what they did at the next time they get the ball. Five plays, 45 seconds touchdown. Exactly. And also, like, I get it. Second down, they threw it didn't work. Third down, they threw it didn't work. Like, if you're thinking about going for it, like kicking a field goal, why not run it on third down? And then teach again and then make it fourth and two. Because Jordan Mims had a good game. And so, like, the offense played outside of stalling out well, the red zone. Okay. I'm saying, well, I'm saying, well. Okay. Go I'm going to pause you right there. Because, uh, yeah, if you if all you did was look at the statue, you would think well, Jordan Mims had a very good game. 20, 21 carries, 122 yards, two touchdowns. One play, though, was too long, and that skews it. Yeah, half of his runs came – half of his yardage came on three runs, including the two touchdown runs, 42 and 11 yards. So basically, if you if you take that out, you know, 122 minus 63 is 59 yards. About 60%. So on, on the – yeah, so basically when he – outside of those three big explosive plays, he averaged under three and a third. Yards per carry, 3.27. And his one catch was 26 yards of 27, too. So there's that to consider. Which also. which may not have been a huge deal had Hayner been a touch more accurate, which sounds weird to say, considering that he was 30 and 46 in this game, 360 yards. It felt like he left plays out there, though, which I think has less to do with him and maybe more to do with the Oregon State defense, which I thought played very well as a unit. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Like, like, you know, it, they was played well. a, it was just a back and forth battle. Yeah, it's just when it got close, when they got in too close, they couldn't get it done. That's that's like that's the clearly the main difference in this game is red zone play. Like, yeah, Oregon's and, and to defense that point, wasn't great. It was just good when it mattered. Yeah. So, like, what one thing that I did was I I went back through and I, and I thought to myself, okay, well, what exactly went wrong in the red zone? And like it or not, Hayner bears a lot of responsibility for that because he was only two of eight inside the twenty yard line. It's not good. And you put something too like third. It wasn't a recap. What on third and five, like longer, he wasn't good either. When it was like mid range third down plays. Well, yeah, as a team, you know they were as six of fourteen okay. on on the evening. Um, but if you break it down, third and four or fewer, they were six of eight. When there was five or more yards on third down, they were zero of six. Yeah, not helpful. And it wasn't like there was a ton of unmanageable situations, like a lot of hopeless situations either. They just did not make plays in those money downs at the same rate that they typically do. So what's your big concern from them besides drives? Like, like, I know the game, how it turned out, but like the defense was 2 of 10 on third down against Oregon State. I think Oregon State is obviously more aggressive where they changed the play. They put in the... Okay, well, I don't think the offensive line played very well. Oh, there's that too. Sorry. Which was I, which I, was one of the yeah. which was one of the one of the concerns that I came into the year with. I don't exactly think that this inspires a lot of confidence because Hainer didn't take a ton of hits, but he was under pressure quite a lot, quite often. 
There's technically, what did you say, five QB Harrys? That's what it says here as well? Yeah. Five TFLs. Yeah, and yeah. and Braylon Nelson got banged up, you know, at some point in the game. I don't know exactly what his status is. Mm-hmm. But, like, that isn't necessarily a, a terribly encouraging sign. I don't – and I feel bad – I mean, I don't necessarily – it wasn't a bad – it was a very good defensive performance until the last four minutes of the game. And then the entire thing just fell apart. You know, you look at like, you know, Luke Musgrave is a perfect example of that, the Oregon State tight end. You know, five catches, 80 yards, but he didn't really make an impact in this game until the final four minutes. You know, on the, the first drive, I think it was right after the missed field goal, he had a 30 yard catch for a first down. Yeah. And then on that final drive for the, for the, for the winning points, he had a 28 yard completion. Same with Treshawn Harrison, you know, only five catches, five, uh, 53 yards and a touchdown. But I think, you know, one of the, maybe the subtler turning points is when he was able to shake off half the Fresno State defense for that 17 yard touchdown. And then he too had a couple of key catches on that final draft. You know, he had a, an 11 yard catch on, on second and 10 to, you know, push them closer to midfield. He had a seven yard catch to, to put them, you know, Basically, right, yeah, right around midfield. It was just they did such a good job for such a long time of keeping Oregon State's weapons in check that it was just like totally disheartening when those guys got loose late. And you thought to yourself, "Oh no, here we go." Yeah. Uh so again, this is also an Oregon State team that's really good. That's just, oh yeah. Like, People like they should be ranked as well, like with the Air Force. I again, Oregon State, the way the Pac 12 is looking, I've they've beaten the two best teams in Pac 12 last year, Utah and USC, as of this year. Like they they do play Utah and USC back to back upcoming at the end of the month, or I guess in the yeah, end of this month. But there's this, uh, this I gotta say, it's a disappointing loss because Fresno State, like they're always this. Also, Oregon State's first ever win at Fresno after like four or five mm-hmm. times, I think it was. This Fresno team, it's all it's the same story. Unfortunately, they can never win the big game when they need to. It's always they yeah, something it was, like it this was exactly like the Minnesota game. Minnesota, or when they played Boise Both State years them. ago, and it, number one, yeah, number one draft pick. They can't be Boise State. They've broken broken through a couple of times, winning conference title, but. More like the San Jose State game a years ago, they could have gone to a BCS bowl game. They get thrashed by David Fells in a shootout with him and Derek Carr. It's like it's all I'm not not to bring up old memories, but you, you understand the history of this team where they're typically oh, really yeah. good. But they, they, if they if they push Reggie Bush out of bounds, they beat USC. Just saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's ah, it's tough, man. It's hard. I, I sympathize for you. it's hard. It's no, I'm I'm used to it at this point. Oh, but you shouldn't be. That's the problem. Don't be used to it. Be mad about it. It's been 20 years, dude. At least it's been <laughs> no, it's been yeah, it's been 21 years. Okay. I'm just okay. I'm just it's gonna take like another 20 years of them actually winning these types of games before I actually feel good about it. Can I mention something what you put in our DMs this morning about next week's game already? So we bring that up or no? Uh, we'll worry about that later. Okay. They play USC next week, so that's what we're leading, looking at. So Anything else to add to this game of the weekend? Because it's a, it was just a blah weekend. It wasn't great. It was not ideal. No, I mean, th- three non-conference wins? No, it's not good. Who's your number two team in the power pole behind, behind Air Force? Who would you put out there? I don't have yours in front of me. Oh, I put Fresno. Fresno? Okay, so did I. 
Was that an easy choice, you think? Or is that, uh, yes. did it get tricky? Okay. I kind of felt too. Okay. Got Air Force. Yeah. I put Fresno. After that, it's like, I think I put Boise, but I'm not sure because, yeah, I went Air Force, Fresno, Boise, San Diego State. I moved San Jose State up pretty high. Moved up one a bit. Crater, Nevada, <laughs> going from three to 10 <laughs> because mm-hmm. we're still early on. But, at, but no joke, like after Fresno, like maybe Boise deserves three, but it's tricky. Like, Aztecs, Spartans, Rebels are interesting a little bit, even though the, they lost to Cal, Utah State, plummeted. I put them in eight. Eight. I think I, I think Utah State fans are too numb yet to notice that, and they'll get out. They'll get at me on Wednesday probably when they notice this. I put them in eight, or they listen mm-hmm. to this and find out. But it's not good, man. All right, so we'll be back next week at some point to talk week three. We're fingers crossed we get a better week. We have some pretty good games. We'll, we've got USC. Fresno State, San Diego State, Utah, a couple of chances maybe to knock off Pac-12 teams. We'll see how that goes. But uh, that's it for this week. And just, yeah, go to our website, go to MWR.com, Twitter, Facebook, all sorts of fun stuff we're doing. So, yeah, we'll see you in a couple of days.